Hello and welcome to Headroom, curious conversations for leaders in education. I'm your host Richard Reid and today my special guest joins me from the other side of the globe in sunny Australia. In previous episodes I've had the pleasure of talking to Christian van Neuburg and Chris Munro, both from Growth Coaching International and today it's my privilege to be talking to John Campbell. John is the founding director of Growth Coaching International, an Australian-based organisation providing coaching and coaching services to school leaders and teachers globally. John has been specialising in the coaching and education area for the last 20 years, after having previously worked as a teacher, curriculum consultant and management consultant in the corporate world. He stepped down as executive director of GCI in 2019, and since then has been concentrating on writing about and researching coaching and education related topics. John, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Well, good to be here, Richard. Uh, thank you for the invitation. And, you know, congratulations on getting uh, something like this going. I'm, I'm sure uh, it's uh, it's going to grow in interest and uh, value to, to school leaders. So thank you for that. No problem. You're very welcome. John, you currently hold the title of founding director of Growth Coaching International, an organization with a clear focus on the education sector. However, you have also had significant experience in the corporate world. Can you tell us how your education and corporate backgrounds have merged together to bring you to this point in your career today? Uh, yeah, well, it's an interesting journey. I mean, I had to kind of tail end, if you like, of my formal uh, career, having started in teaching in 1974, which is like the age of the dinosaurs. But um, <laughs> uh, so it's, you know, first, first and foremost, I've been a teacher and still am. You know, I, I guess I see that as being, you know, a key kind of descriptor. But um Having worked in education for 14 years in classroom teaching uh, English and modern history in secondary schools and and then got interested in the whole professional learning for teachers as part of that and, and served uh, as a, a curriculum consultant advisor and was running a lot of professional learning. I, I did see the whole scope of adult education and what was going on and enjoyed that and had an opportunity at one point there to kind of step out of education and work in the corporate sector running uh, some of the things I've been doing for educators, but more broadly concerned for leaders and so on. Enjoyed that. And it was an interesting time. I did that for about 13 years. Um, and towards the end of that time was um, was uh, seeing um, the value of professional learning. But that's when I started to see well, where coaching might fit. You know, these, these workshops experiences were often received well, but I was wondering to what extent they were still being applied uh, as, as time went on. And so I saw coaching being a really interesting way of embedding the learning. And, um, but the things that were coming through from both uh, work with educators and in the corporate leaders was, was similar kind of challenges. In fact, um, I, I came to the view that I thought leaders in the school context had a much more complicated and, and complex uh, task. And, uh, it was undervalued, and I thought, um, uh, so I, I was drawn back to actually the way of working with school leaders because I thought this is really challenging leadership, and, um, and I saw coaching really fitting as part of that. So it's been a mix of those two across the last um, uh, 25, 30 years, and, uh, and seeing, I think, in the last 10 years, uh, specialising just in the coaching in education field. So... 
uh, it's been interesting right across that time. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting when you when you when you make the comment that uh, you know school leaders have a have a have a tougher job even than, than CEOs and, and various other organisations, and it's certainly one of those jobs that uh, until you actually sit on the seat, you know, and, and and take on that role, it's 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 difficult one to to judge. But I definitely would agree with you. It's a it's a very complex job, uh, and very challenging, and one that from what I can see, even in the last few years. Where coaching really has a huge a huge part to play, um, not just for the, the leader in the school, but uh, you know cascading down through all the all the staff members, and I, I think it's uh, it's a fantastic opportunity for any school if they can get involved and in, in coaching. John, in, in preparation for this episode, you you very kindly shared with me some of your thoughts on where coaching currently sits within education, and you touched on a specific challenge for schools that really resonates with me. Uh, I suppose as a principal, you commented on how both the final financial and time cost of one-to-one executive coaching can limit how widely it's offered in schools. So therefore, a coaching approach to leadership might be a more realistic way of spreading the impact of coaching in a busy school environment. Can you tell us a bit more about your, your thoughts on this? Uh, yeah, uh, it, that is an interesting area for me. I mean, I, I have seen over the, the last 20 years or so the, the value of coaching interactions um, and in very formal uh, uh, ways in which they've allocated perhaps in for corporate leaders an hour and a half or sometimes two hours allocated and and, um, and that was useful and people got great value from that and uh, and to some extent doing some of that with school leaders too but being aware that um, that format was uh, was always a bit challenging because one it was uh, it was usually quite expensive to provide uh, and two, the time commitment to that was quite substantial as well. So one of the things I've been grappling with is how can we bring the benefits of these coaching interactions to, uh, to educators uh, more widely? And, um, and so that's when I got interested in, in thinking about, well, or could uh, the elements of coaching that were in more formal extended interactions could we, could we bring those into more casual, if you like, informal interactions that school leaders were having every minute of the day or almost? And, uh, and how could we keep the quality of that high? So that was another issue. So, uh, and I was at the same time, I was reading that, um, you know, leading in, in uh, very human intensive systems, which school are was really requiring a lot of the things that we were talking about in, in coaching interactions. So, for example, I, I saw in a number of different um, um, a number of different contexts that people were saying, look, what real leaders really need to do in these human intensive organisations is, is provide a, a, a role of as a sense maker, this whole notion about sense making. And the way that was defined was really about helping people get clear on what was going on in their world. And one of the things I think we do when we help people shape goals in coaching. Uh, I was reading about the whole notion about action learning as being a really key role of the leader to, to promote that learning. That's kind of what we do in coaching too. And I was seeing things about improvising and being ready to move and respond quickly and change and take small step actions and, and improvise in terms of implementation and learning. So sense-making, learning, improvising, we're sort of emerging as important things for leaders to be doing. And I'm thinking, hey, that's kind of what we do when we're, we're helping leaders coach their teams, those three things. And the kind of skills that go into doing that are kind of coaching skills. And so 
I was seeing that um, the literature out there that was saying how we lead in, in schools or in, in broader complex organizations is pretty much like a coaching way of leading. And so that was the genesis, if you like, of developing how to refine this coaching approach if leaders aren't having necessarily formal coaching interactions, and that's still good to do. Mm-hmm. But how can we make the 10-minute interaction in a staff room or in a playground where with a student or a parent or a teacher that says, you've got a minute, I just want to run something past you. Mm-hmm. And could that be a, a moment for a coaching interaction? And I, we've come to view that it can be, I think. So that's been an area of interest in the last little while. Yeah. Would you would you see, John, in, in your experience with, with schools, maybe particularly in Australia, where they would follow the model where, you know, there would be a, a period of time spent training staff in the coaching approach and, and, and essentially get up to a certain level of, of coaching skills and develop that culture up to a point before you could see a coaching approach in general within a school? Would that normally be the, 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 the procedure there? Yeah, well, yeah, I think what we found is that... Um, it's good to give people a, a base level of, of skills and, and, uh, and knowledge about how coaching can work, if you like, in a more formal context. Yeah. And then you can leap off, I think, from that and be a little bit more, if you like, less constrained or flexible in the way you might apply that. So we, we kind of defined a coaching approach as, if I can remember the exact words we used, it was bringing the, the transferable elements of coaching into context that you wouldn't necessarily have considered as, as coaching. So those, those communication interactions. So um, yeah, we start with a, I think it's, I think it's better to go from a, a formal base yeah, and yeah. get a platform. And then you can be a little bit more uh, skilled and flexible in the way you might tweak and adapt those skills for those less formal contexts. Yeah, because I think, yes, it's important, as, as you say, that there's a, a level of skill within the staff um, so that those less less formal coaching conversations and both parties are aware of what's going on and see the benefit straight away. You know, this is an informal coaching yeah. conversation. Both parties are aware of that in the corridor or in the staff room because they've got a, you know, a good awareness of, of what coaching is. Um, I think that's definitely a, a, a fantastic direction to go. Um, John, you you mentioned that you're you're currently interested in peer-based coaching initiatives. Um, as a principal, I, I always in, endeavor to apply what we've talked about, a coaching approach to, to my leadership role. And I've recently started to deliver uh, regular formal coaching sessions of staff. But looking down the line, I can see real benefit of having members of staff involved in peer coaching. Can you share with us your experiences of this aspect of a, of a coaching culture? Well, well yeah, it's, it, the interesting peer coaching has come from the same, if you like, genesis, that how do we make it more available and in um, a more cost-effective way? And so... Uh, the notion of, of peer coaching has been around for for some time, especially at teacher to teacher level. Mm-hmm. And I actually think there's there's leader to leader levels we can look at too, and me and student to student levels. I think um, it could be part of this too. But peer peer based coaching or variations of it for teachers has been um, talked about for some time, and. It has a mixed record, to be honest, in terms of um, how well it's implemented. And so, again, I was thinking if the coaching approach is one way that we can get coaching conversations out there, um, 
is a peer-based mechanism something that might also be something that could do that so we can get the benefits of coaching out more widely and more cost effectively so I started to dig into it and some of the research I was doing was starting to say well what is it that's made the peer-based versions work and what is it that's actually got in the way of them working because as I said the literature is a bit mixed some people say yeah this could be great. Some people saying, uh, no, I think I'd rather have an expert, if you like, coach outside. And um, yeah. and it seems to me what I'm finding so far is that um, when it's work, it's been really, there's been a good level of preparation and it's been a good level of training and the implementation has been really thought through. And when it hasn't been that well done, it's been, you know, you folks know what you're doing, you know, go over there and have a chat once a month. And yeah. um it's been fairly haphazardly done. So I think what's also coming out of the peer coaching is uh, if you do train the peer coaches well, there's actual benefits that flow to the person in the coach role mm -hmm. as well as the person receiving the coaching. So yeah. that um, there's some there's some double, double buying our benefits, if you like, if that's yeah. a phrase I could use here. So yeah, that, yeah. Um, that that can work as well so that and also those people who have been trained well start to use the coaching skills in contexts other than that immediate peer coaching project that might have initiated the, the change mm -hmm. so there's some interesting things starting to flow from that but again essentially the peer the interest in this area came from how do we get the benefits of coaching out more widely more cost effectively um, so that others can benefit uh, yeah. and it's been interesting to look at that Mm -hmm. And I think that the most sort of recent reading that I've done around, you know, even peer coaching at the moment, um, the whole role of video seems to be coming into play in, in a big way, even maybe through some of the training you guys would do at GCI. Um, has that been your experience, you know, this idea of, of, of video and, and, and increasing the role that has to play in, in peer coaching at the moment? Uh, yeah, there is uh, some work we've been doing with uh, with Dr. Jim Knight, who's, um, you know, based in the in the United States hmm. uh, to bring uh, video in as a key part of these teacher-to-teacher -teacher peer coaching projects we're initiating. And, uh, you know, that's a really interesting development. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, um, it's so easily accessible now. Um, everyone's got a, got a phone we can use in that. And so uh, the video is actually provides some great um, data to work from. Hmm. And it actually... Um, it alleviates a level of subjective um, observation because mm -hmm. there it is. You know, here's, yeah. here's what was happening rather than, you know, I noticed you spending time here or there or whatever, uh, which can be contestable. Um, <laughs> here's, here's a bit of data we can work from. So it actually, we found that mediates a conversation. Mm -hmm. um, so instead of me, uh, talking with you if we were involved in a peer uh, coaching exercise here's what I'm noticing Richard and so on and so on and you then responding to that our conversation is actually um, through a third um, if you like bit of data that we gathered by, by video and it actually is interesting kind of dynamic that uh, mm -hmm. changes that conversation but uh, it's it's so available. It's so easy to use now. There was a time when there used to be big clunky cameras and yeah. uh, various other sorts of technology that was needed. Mm -hmm. And so it just seems a really good way to um, to bring the kind of data collection part of any peer yeah. coaching initiative, you know, yeah. much more uh, into the 
into the conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Even in the practical terms, it can be done in a very, very subtle way nowadays with, with the technology that we have. And I suppose if you have a, if you have a culture in your school well established that you know both parties are, are comfortable with this and, and are used to this process it can be you know very very beneficial um it, it, it's a it's a terrific idea john over the last 18 months or so you, you've been concentrating on writing about and researching coaching and education related topics so what are your aspirations for coaching and education as we move forward over certainly over the next few years uh yeah, look, I think um, there are a few things that are, are really interesting developments in the field. I, I think one of the nice things about having been involved in this area now for uh, uh, quite a while, and particularly in schools, it's great to see it get some sort of um, traction and um, to be established. Uh, so it's mm -hmm. moved past, I think, um, the, the, the passing fad uh, phase and yes. it's it's shaping up in different ways as to how it kind of continues to work in schools but it's kind of here to stay i and i think so i mean well, that's a good thing but i think in order to keep that going i think we want to still encourage um you know a stronger and a growing uh evidence base so i really think the research that's um that started to emerge uh, in the last five years or so. We want to see that continue and continue to kind of shed light on how it works and how we can make the whole coaching thing work better in schools. Mm -hmm. And I'm really pleased that we're a bit a part of that, the Coaching Education Research Network that uh, Christians had a role in establishing and uh, and Rachel Lufthouse at Leeds Beckett in the University, mm -hmm. uh, Leeds Beckett University and Jim's work in the United States too has come together around that. So there's a there is a growing body of research that's great let's see more of that and uh in, to inform our practice um i think that's great i think i'd like to see um some further exploration about what what coaching cultures in schools uh, are like uh, mm -hmm. see that emerging now Christian's done a bit of work on that and um uh what does it look like uh how is what's how is it contextualized in different sort of school settings? Uh, how about what might we learn from what others have done and be able to adapt in our own environment? I, I think all of that sort of conversation around school culture, I, uh, coaching cultures is, um, is really important to explore further. So because I'm convinced that the sort of environment that surrounds the individual coaching conversations is a really important influence on how well those conversations continue or have impact. So I, I really think that's an interesting area to keep um, developing and thinking about and getting more knowledge about and more understanding about how that works. Unfortunately, there is stuff going on in that area, which is great. Mm -hmm. And I think a third area that I'd be interesting to just to see some ongoing um, uh, work would be in the whole coaching mentoring uh, conversation about where they both fit and yeah. In some places, they're seen as being in opposition to each other mm -hmm. almost. Uh, yeah. Some people carry a coaching flag, some people carry a mentoring flag, and they mm -hmm, wave mm -hmm. them at each other a bit. And I think there's <laughs> much more to be gained from um, seeing how these can both have a role in sort of encouraging conversations about practice and about leadership to uh, to go forward in helpful ways. So, yeah, seeing some kind of development there and how those those both of those two, if you like, uh, helping by talking 
yeah. methodologies yeah. can can continue to serve leaders in education and teachers in education uh, better. That is that'd be helpful, I think. Yeah, I know. I, I, I sat in on the, one of the recent introduction to leadership uh, coaching courses at GCI run, um, the one based over here in the UK. And certainly at, at the start, in the first couple of modules, there was some really, really useful conversation about that 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 uh, that line between you know a coach and a mentor, and, and where you draw the line, where where you sit on that line. And again, you were depending on what what day it is, depending on who you're talking to, depending on the context, you know, the good leader will be able to decide, is this a coaching conversation opportunity or a mentoring conversation opportunity? And that, that really fascinated me, you know, to try and bring the whole idea, as you say, of coaching and mentoring together. You know, they're not two uh, opposing sides. They're very much, you know, I think two, two, two parts of a whole uh, and to be able to make that decision as to when to be a coach and to when to be a mentor, you know, for, for a leader is, is, is really beneficial. So that's something that I think is uh, it's going to be really useful um, down the line. Um, John, it has been an absolute pleasure having um, you on the podcast today. Uh, what you have achieved in your career so far is a real inspiration to me as a head teacher and also as an aspiring coach. Your insights certainly reinforce the fact that the future is bright for coaching and education. For our listeners, now is the time to get curious about how you might adopt a coaching approach in your role as a leader in education. And in the meantime, I hope you all join me again for the next installment of Headroom, Curious Conversations for Leaders in Education.